0: This evening's Dharma talk is titled "Mind Patterns." What I want to talk about is the, the mind. It, it seems like there's one person here, one person going through this and that, and the the, the breakdown that we have is in terms of the, the environment we're in. We see different things, different people, and we have uh, different thoughts about different things, different people, positive, negative, neutral, and so on. It's a whole. Uh, it's a whole bunch of confetti about this and that and on and on and on. This is very detract- uh, distracting, and it distracts us by being attached to that, by having a commentary on uh, this going away and this coming forward. I'm just trying to be fairly generic about this, but we all know it's very personal. The personal feelings and emotions are arising at the same time, in reaction and complementary to, or or uh, maybe not so complementary to, whatever's arising in our environment. So the mind patterns that I wish to bring your attention to are the various layers and the various uh, micro um, pieces or um, very, very small layers and aspects of what we call me. That's a very, very, I uh, like to say it's very discontinuous. The identity is very discontinuous and it is reinforced through what passion, aggression, ignorance, grasping some, some things, rejecting it. I don't like that. And then the, the uh, 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 conceptual mind comes up and, and comments, explains, defines, points to, uh, and as I've said many times, the people who are extremely intelligent in this area very good at logic and reason and so on, uh, have a more difficult time. They might think it's easier, uh, but a more difficult time in realizing the true nature of what, what, who they are and what this is, fundamental. So all of the layers of uh, trunk-worm, referred to, the mental uh, functioning as a, a kind of fickleness, constantly changing and fluctuating, changing and fluctuating, so, that there's so many parts. An example I would use would be it looks like one solid person, me, when actually, if we look close, it's actually if we can bring it, slow it down, and look at its parts. Look at this is what I, uh, the reason that I teach uh, meditation the way I teach it, not so much the way I was taught, is I want you to look closely at what is in motion. When we first begin to look at that, uh, we might see all kinds of substitutes for what is moving. All These are the layers, various uh, layers, dimensions, um, aspects of what we say or what we refer to as me, me and my thoughts, my ideas and so on. But if we look really closely, eventually that starts to slow down and we begin to see it's like it's like looking at a saw blade, a circular saw blade. Uh, and even if you listen to it, it sounds like one thing, buzz. But if you uh, reflect on that or if you turn it off and when it winds down, you actually start to hear each individual blade hit. Lots of little tiny parts making up the buzzing sound. Same thing could be said for bees, lots of bees, one sound. So that uh, that grasping, that uh, idea, or that uh, assumption that there's just me and my thoughts, those thoughts, when we if we look at them closely and we don't do anything with them, you do any, if you do anything with it, the consciousness is is taken or magnetized by that and taken along on a, a journey of it's true, it's not true, it's good, it's bad, it should be, it shouldn't be, and so on and so forth, and it's in circles. And but it gives us the illusion. That we're meditating, because it, it gives us the illusion that we're because we're starting to calm down, or any other kinds of layers of consciousnesses that tend to arise as what conclusions. Con- this is a conclusion. No more investigation. So it seems to be necessary to watch what moves, so that over time, maybe a whole lot of time, we will eventually begin to see the incredible overlapping it's just an astonishing array of tiny tiny I'm just saying that i don't know how else to describe it little tiny bits of a little bit of hearing a little bit of smelling a little bit of tasting a little bit of thinking a little thought another little thought over the top of this one overlapping underlapping we we have a we have a, the traditionally i think it's a 60th of a second i don't know where they came up with that at i can see somebody saying let's see it looks like about 60 of those in that second But it's just a way of saying it's very, very much about particles that make up an apparent thing or whole. When you say I, there is an incredible amount of uh, production happening in terms of thought patterns that substantiate, reify and validate that. When the ego mind begins to see the incredible spaciousness in which which these tiny parts occur, it starts to freak out and it will start to invent things in order to uh, keep that uh, continuity of me and my stuff, my world, on and on, going on and on and on, sometimes called opinions, ideas. And we do it, we smooth it over, we cement it with emotion. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, it's uh, terrible, it's just terrible. And I'm not trying to make light of your emotions. It's painful to have any kind of anxiety or pain or discomfort or be afraid of the unknown and so on. Of course it is. But, I'll say, I'll not only say but, I'll say and, is that helpful? But, and, layers, layers, there's just two of them. This is not taken away from, it's a reality, it's like a mosaic. We, we see the parts and we see it all at once. But if we begin, and if we begin to see, just get little flashes of the tiny increments that make up any given opinion, idea, thought stream, conclusion, exclusion, reification, validation, analysis, any kind of whirlpool we want to step into, all of those things are in motion. The mind stream is in motion and what I am recommending, what I recommend over and over is sit down hold everything still that you can without being uh, too macho about it. And just watch what continues to crank up because that is the mind stream that you possibly have been shutting down on for years. Seems to be lots of layers, lots of overlaps. On that, that, and I can talk about this and explain it or use the the metaphor of the saw blade with all the little teeth or the bees or any group of things that looks like one situation. But there are parts, there are little tiny parts, and there's a constant uh, lack of any kind of positionality, so we get our, our fixation through grasping. We grasp at it, and that makes all those little pieces that are flying around this way and that way look like something, look like an idea, look like a conclusion. And it's not that that wouldn't work in in our relative world for a while. So what the idea about the talk is to get you to see that anything you see is one thing, whether it's your a feeling about something, a resentment you have, that is a solidification of lots of very, very tiny particles uh, or energy of thoughts. And to begin to witness that is for the, for our self-centered mind can be threatening, especially if we don't have a teaching like the Buddha's Dharma that says everything is dependently arisen. There's no one solid thing all by itself anywhere. And so the idea is when you look at a conclusion about something or an, an emotion that you have that seems so solid and so believable and so real, that is reinforcing the sense of someone who feels like that. So we're not saying get rid of the feeling. We're saying look at the feeling so that eventually, when the time comes, and it may be in a week, maybe in 10 years, when the time comes when you actually begin to see that there's no, there's no one there, you'll be ready. If you see that before it's time, uh, you'll cover it up because frightening. And the, the, the fear may not go away, but the one who is afraid is unreal. So therefore, I uh, quite often use the example of a horror movie. It's You're afraid of it, you can't watch it, but you know it's unreal, but it's still scary. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an example that works to some extent, but won't completely match up to it the realization of not two, not two, not real, not unreal, not alive. What's that other one? Oh, dead. Not two. It's a, to the self-centered mind, the ego mind, this is a, this is a very difficult thing to contemplate. If you're actually contemplating it. And I don't know if you can actually contemplate it until you first, Look at the nature of your mind and see that it is completely layered with all kinds of, uh, Rinpoche, Rinpoche's word was fickleness. It's just uh, this and this and this, and it goes this way. And and we get so uh, disturbed by that uh, insecurity that we begin to cram things together. We take this uh, 450 billion particles and go, mm, it's that. It seems to be about seeing that what looks like someone or something or some identity is made up of lots of tiny things. We call it energy, consciousness, and it continues to because of these parts when we first look at this it looks like things are separate but eventually and eventually we begin to see the space uh, that is between events or between objects, between thoughts. You see the space in which thoughts occur As a way of talking about it, addressing it. And that won't last either. That's just another way of uh, approaching it so that we have some kind of a, a conceptual understanding of what it is that we're looking at. And so the pattern part of it is to see that there is a, there is a pattern or a repetition where things that look like they're going this way and this way and this way, but there's a patterning happening and that pattern tends to generate a safe harbor for the self-centeredness. But here we are again, we wake up the next morning here we are, even though we've been in a, in a dream world where our personal identity probably vanished and we might, it might've become a, uh, another person, another identity. It might've become a, an identity that we had Three years ago, or 30 years ago, or, or just there's just so many ways that that can show up. So it is about seeing, about observing that and seeing what is fundamentally true uh, for yourself, for ourselves. A question, should,
1: question on YouTube from Mary Mary. Do we need to actively search for the tiny parts in a solid emotion?
0: Good question. <clears throat> somewhat. yeah. And I wouldn't say make a project out of it necessarily, but somewhat, if you, uh, even post meditation or a- after you get up off the cushion, if you're having emotions about something, uh, you, you can, especially if you have a strong meditation practice where the, the awareness of what is moving, is, uh, is just the movement itself is, is stronger or as strong as what it is, the Im- imputation of what it is. The feeling is a negative feeling. It means this. It's because of that. Well, if they hadn't done this, this wouldn't be happening, all those little particles. And I just named three or four of them. And there's, there are countless particles to that emotion. So um, I, I would say that if, since you're asked that question, I say you probably could do this. But make sure that the, there's a strong awareness practice before you go into some kind of contemplation. I mean, that's not Mary over there.
2: <laughs> Identities.
0: Sorry, Mary, I didn't mean to ignore uh, your... Is that her? <laughs> yes. Jeez, I'm going. What is a pattern if nothing repeats itself? It just looks looks like it's repeating itself. Can something be a pattern and not repeat? What do you think? So the the overlapping part is is the part that makes it look like something has some kind of continuity to it that we should somehow give it, you know, stamp our proof. Yes, this is real. This is happening.
3: What's the overlapping part?
0: Uh, Well, one of the ways of looking at it is when the the sense of... uh, Hearing overlaps a sense of seeing. There's a, there's a tiny little seeing, uh, visual consciousness, and then there's a little uh, a tiny aspect of hearing that overlaps. And then there's countless more on top of that with all the sense, sense fields, including the mind. So we're getting kind of reinforcing some kind of overall situation where actually it's patterning of it it looks like something somebody is having this but if you look closely it's, it's like a saw blade or it's like a bee's nest or anything else that has lots of parts it just tends to like a mosaic it looks like one thing but it's made up of um, it's made like uh, someone who who uh, crochets or knits a lot of, lot of little things all put together make a blanket but if you look at it but it's lots of little movements, like sewing a rock suit, like sewing a robe, lots of little tiny stitches. Refuge in the Buddha, Refuge in the Dharma, in the Sangha, over and over and over and over again. What are the parts of thought? What are the parts of thought? Um, it's, uh, you know, you can't go in and actually find, oh, this is, this is a part of thought here. So we're not. We're, we're just saying that the, the very nature of thought itself is uh, is you can't you can't find it. You can't you can't even prove you have thoughts. It's a it's a, an actual it's a dimension. This is a uh, this dimension here. The, this physical dimension has its rules and laws. Uh, but in uh, in, that, in that area, the the whole idea of past and future uh, is is invented. We invent that. Situations so that it matches up more clear, more closely with what this seems like here in the physical uh, realm of things that show up and then they decay. You know, that they watch the movement of the planets for a while to make a notation that there was such a thing as a past and a future, and then we got addicted to it. But there was a time when that there wasn't anything but this. That there wasn't any something coming and going other than people's wrinkles showing slowly showing up. So the little, so the little tiny parts would be, uh, I would say, go look at that. It'd be your, your um, seeing of that as the important thing, rather than to come, rather than have some kind of a concept about it that explains the parts to you. I'm already saying that to some extent, saying what looks like one thing is made up of countless, countless levels and particles and overlapping and and you can't find a continuity anywhere and this is why the this is why I can just uh, uh, you think you're somebody you think you're Nishika but I can I can uh, destroy that and if you're really confident who you are no matter what I would say or do I'm not saying you wouldn't feel it I it wouldn't destroy you and I'm not saying I could have some kind of power I'm just saying that the tendency to want to keep an identity together is, is very, very fragile and tenuous and, and fickle. And this is why some people are extremely uh, tied into their fundamentalism, their beliefs and who they are and what they're doing and what's right and what's wrong. We have, a whole, we have a whole nation, world, full of mostly people who are doing that, tightening down on their beliefs and their ideas so they can protect the fickleness and the, the insubstantiality of uh, being a living being we know in our situation it's not nihilism to say death comes without warning it's just true we're not going to ignore that more it's good
2: uh, when you're bowing um, Bob Holman asks what did Rinpoche call all the little bits fickle ones
0: <laughs> I don't recall but he probably called them something but he, just, he was just talking about the, the discontinuity uh, that we continually, uh, through our, through our the ego mind, ego egoism. I think is how he referred to it. Our egoism. We continually gather these together and uh, keep packing snowballs with it. Trying to this is this is it. This is what it is, even though it's made of countless little crystals. This this. And so his activity was a. Uh, 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 and teaching was to try to point that out to people, try to help people see that. Anything, anytime you see one thing, it's not one thing. There's parts. There's, there's what is it? Uh, even in uh, physics, and I know nothing about that other than uh, rumors. Uh, is uh, there, uh, I understand there's there's difficulty down at the the smaller and smaller areas where things are starting to change into what another dimension which you already have access to the other dimension right now, but not physically. So they're trying to do it physically. They want to get down there and say, what do you see little tiny things that uh, Nishikai was asking about? One's a particle and the other's a wave. What? Uh, How is that helpful? It's helpful in helping you to know you're not going to be able to find out what this is. It is empty of your imputations about it, your belief about it. It's empty of that. It transcends this world while, it's, while it, it still sits here and the fan runs. And Unyo's uh, uh, pencil or pen runs across the page. And uh, she shows scratches his a red shirt. Things are just occurring and occurring and dropping away and occurring. And dropping. The same thing that's happening in this room with our the movement of my hands or your thought patterns are not different from each other. They are also, need I say, not the same. That's that's the the uh, that's the difficulty when we start working with just consciousness. When we have a spiritual path that is about going into consciousness, not going in and reinforcing some kind of belief in something. Well, this is what's true. Believe in this, worship this, uh, you'll get all the everything you wish for. Since you.
1: Do we need to
0: know who we are relatively to see that that's not... Again, a little louder. Put your mask down so I can hear you. Do we need to know who we are relatively to, to
1: see that
0: that's not... We need to look at the, what we assume is a relative understanding. So look a little bit at our self-centeredness at our narcissism and see that we're kind of full of ourselves on some level. And it could be full of ourselves from the point of being uh, uh, seeing that we're really attached to certain beliefs or ideas about ourselves or about the nature of everything, or about the nature of others. That's a good one. So easy to see the confusion of others, not being able to see our own. Notice that. You're a therapist. I'm sure you've noticed that. So, to some extent, we need to look at what we, who we think we are. We need to look at that and see that there's something very fishy about that because it is made up of parts, and we we tend to gather other parts from what somebody else thinks, what we think about what somebody else thinks that we think, and it just it just uh, expands from there into all kinds of of uh, very undependable. Parts undependable from the point of view of is, does this mean something? Is this is this real? Is this unreal? What is this fundamentally? YouTube.
1: If we begin to see a pattern of a certain situation triggering a certain emotional response. If we keep looking at that, will we see what it is that's actually triggering us?
0: So Junju was asking if we can actually, if we continue to look at a certain pattern that's creating a certain kind of emotional response, she's asking if that will relieve the situation. That, that and
1: will we actually get to see specifically what is triggering us? <clears throat>
0: If you see specifically what's triggering you, then that's about relative truth. And then this causes that causes that. The issue with that is we tend to limit ourselves to this causes that, and that's called blame. And that's why our society is full of situations where some people get credit. Some people get to blame. Some people get elevated to high positions. Some people get thrown in jail. Cause and effect, cause and effect. We buy into that structure on its, on its very primitive level rather than seeing deeply into that, that everything is dependently arisen. And so if you were to continue in looking at the pattern, eventually the idea is no guarantee of anything. But the idea is that you would eventually see that anything that looks like one thing is dependent on all those other, you can't have a saw without lots of blades, a circular saw. You can't have a bee without lots of other bees. So you're not going to have that one, situation that is showing up as your particular emotional dynamic that is being triggered by uh, some kind of a, uh, some kind of a trigger. So if you look into that, the idea is to not so much see what caused that, that might show up, but you might already have an idea what's causing it or what you think is causing it. So you might see that what is causing it is, uh, uh, is is uh, you can't find the, the first source for anything. The nature of the source is something that is a relative statement about something that is um, complicated. You could say the source of the Amazon uh, are all the tributary streams, but then where do the tributary streams come from? Uh, Go ahead. How does that situation lose its fuel if we
1: don't see the trigger?
0: You may see the triggers, you may not. So that may be part of it, it may not, because even that is dependently risen. Just like your question is, my response is dependently risen. So you may see the triggers, you may not. But what you the idea is if you look deeply enough, you begin to see that there is no solid being. There's no uh, here's a an old guy sitting in a chair with a purple robe on. In a in a in a, a room that we call a zendo, in a building we call a monastery, with uh, vocal cords and talking to each other as uh, human beings, It's dependently arisen, we we tie down onto some things because we get the support of the physical world. This is a hand, but it's still made up of parts. You can't have a you can't. I sometimes say you can't take part of it. You can't take this finger in the other room. You could do it, but you. You no longer have a hand. So I'm not trying to be uh, silly or ridiculous, but to go back to the question you're asking, I would say that you would see, the idea there is that you would see that everything, what the Buddha taught, that that there's no solid, there's no identity comes from one side on its own. It's dependent on all the other situations. Every raindrop, every... Every saw blade, every bumblebee, every every homeless person is not separate from anything else anywhere. And to see that is also to see that your own emotional dynamics that are rising are dependent. There might be one cause somewhere, and it might be possible to address that cause and remove it, uh, take it away. That's we're not we're not getting rid of ultimate or relative truth, but we're seeing that the combination of Relative truth, and a shutting down on the fundamental nature of the absolute or the foundation on which everything is, is lies. Then, then you're always trying to correct relative truth. It's not that you can't. It's not that if you have. It's not that you can't have a, a, a open heart surgery, which I had seven or eight years ago, and you know I'm still be I'm still here because of that. So that's working with relative truth. We're not saying that. We're not doing away with that. We're just saying that as far as when it comes to consciousness and emotion and not just physical pain, but also mental pain and anguish uh, in terms of the the mind stream and so on, that sometimes that shows up and you can't find a cause. Uh, If you look around, you can can blame somebody. That's one of the ways we get rid of our discomfort is blame somebody or blame something. And sometimes, relatively speaking, because we're in this situation because of dependent origination, you can find one tributary that leads to that particular croaking frog, just making that noise. So you you can find that, and because we can find those parts, we tend to find that, and then assume that everything is is uh, dependently arisen from the point of uh, praise and blame, or success and failure, or right and wrong, or life and death. Very easy to buy into relative truth. Relative truth, the mundane path has outcomes. Uh, there are people. Um, the person who comes to mind is uh, it's not just limited to him someone like uh, Tony Robbins who has a very highly polished mundane path that basically helps people on, on different levels but it's not a spiritual path at least doesn't look like it I mean uh, if I talked to Tony, uh, Tony Robbins he probably would show me how it actually is a spiritual path and then I'd say okay I stand corrected it's a spiritual path." so I, I would I would uh, not to to let him have his uh, statement would not be losing, um, because there isn't you can't really lose.
1: There's no self. What gets triggered and seems to have a similar response.
0: The the, the illusion of a self. The illusion of a self. Uh, what happens is the causes and conditions operate on lots of different levels. All this uh, fickleness. That being talked about. It's, there's so much happening in that area that, uh, that and, and part of that is the illusion that there's someone who's having that experience. Someone uh, we, because of the, uh, the, uh, the great affection we have for our, for our body-mind complex, this whole sensorium. We think we are this. I think We think we are this person with feet or with hands. We think we are this. And it's not that we aren't uh, partially, somewhat. There's a relative situation happening here, but our, our true nature, our ultimate nature is not subject to decay. And it's also is not born. It doesn't come into manifestation. It's never passed out of manifestation because uh, it it has never appeared. It's not appeared in the conventional sense of relative truth, appearing. The codes appears, the codes goes away. The tree appears, somebody comes along, takes the tree, throws away all the wood, finds a kotsu in the middle of it. The so relative truth uh, is, is an incredibly uh, um, seductive, magnetizing. Thing. We're constantly bombarded through our sense fields with uh, this happened and then that happened. And this happened, even the Buddha said, this happens. When this happens and that happens. When this happens and that happens, so he's describing it. But the ultimate situation is uh, there's no solid s- single thing. There's no single thing that that can has some kind of status. For any questions on uh, on either on uh, YouTube or on uh, the uh, Zoom. Um, sometimes when I'm saying chicken taza I feel like. Uh,
2: I'm just riding on this wave um, how does the awareness practice support looking into the parts
0: just just continue keep going you're a young guy got a lot of time left more than likely just keep sitting. keep sitting nothing Any anytime you do whatever's arising maybe this will help you anything that's arising like if you, and, and if you uh, attach any kind of identity to it or interpretation, like I feel like I'm writing on a continuous way, that's going to continue to go on for a while because it is called fixation. It's a highly stylized form of it, but it's fixation. Come to no conclusions. You might have to watch yourself come to a whole bucket of conclusions before you finally understand in your own consciousness how that comes about. That you you the open, uh, complete open dimension of consciousness, ego does not like that. It's just, it's too much space. It gets agoraphobia and it wants to shrink it down in depth. Well, this is some kind of a wave or this is, I'm not making light of your experience or of your description. I'm just saying that fixation happens in different ways. And the, the the nothing lasts. And all these little particles we're talking about, as long as you're uh, making those little particles into a wave, or into some kind of experience that can be described through concepts. If it can be described through concepts, um, then, then if you really like concepts, and I got one for you: emptiness. Shunyata is a. Just see that everything is empty of anything you think about it. It's a wave. It's empty of that. Even even the even the word particles is empty of particles. That's just a teaching device or a way of talking about the way consciousness breaks down into pieces and look, and gives us the impression there's some kind of continuity. So if you don't accept it, don't reject it, don't look away, then if there is some kind of fundamental reality there, it will begin to show itself. Uh, sometimes in the Zen tradition, uh, referred to as your original face before your parents birth. Ian um, I think on the other end,
2: I get if like I get caught in this really fast intellect, where it, it feels like I'm seeing all these particles, but I'm like fixing fixing down on different ways of labeling different parts. Um,
0: okay, what's a question?
2: I guess the question is: is that seeing the parts, or is that deluding myself? Both.
0: It's both. But you don't have to make a choice. You don't have to say, well, which one is it? It's both. And that, that may not be helpful from the point of view of uh, your particular style of intellect, but it may be helpful to keep you going to the cushion uh, with a little bit less uh, presumption about the nature of your identity, the nature of your mind, the nature of the teaching, the nature of uh, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. The Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, that's a structure that will actually help you go, uh, I don't know if you'd call it deeper into consciousness, but help you see who you are fundamentally, what your fundamental identity is. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for the question. Jeez, I'm dying. Can we see through that continuity
3: without the active quality of picking it apart and looking for parts?
0: I think there's some of each again. Not to go back to that same, but it seems like there's some of that. But it doesn't. We, but we don't make any demand on it. If we start to do that, and if if the nature of consciousness starts to crack and go go to pieces, we just watch it, just observe. And then then if we find ourselves going in and trying to maybe look at some aspect that's arising and see see if we can see the parts in it, we it's just uh, it's like a, it's like a touch and go. We look at it, but with no demand. So it's very tempting because it's very tempting, uh, you know, like General Electric said in the 1950s, progress is our most important product. They actually said that. I was there. So I say don't produce. But in order to not produce, you might have to look at the producer or the production. Eventually, or initially, you look at the production and eventually you, you, and, and this can't be just done particularly, even though they tried it in the some traditions tried to do Atma to kind of force the issue to see: Is there somebody? Is there? This is what Ramana Maharshi was doing um, um, over a hundred years ago. Not not wrong. It's just a way of trying to help people look more closely at the, the way identity uh, forms itself. And I would say, if you look at what's moving, if you look at what's moving, and this isn't any conclusion I can. Uh, too. It's just, I don't know how else to say it. Uh, If you look at what's moving, it seems over here, it seems that if you watch what's moving, eventually the watching what's moving in terms of birds outside the window, footsteps down the hallway, uh, your butt itching while you're sitting on the cushion, um, your thoughts coming and going about when when the block sitting is going to be over. Just watch what's moving without interfering with it. Without agreeing with it, without disagreeing with it, eventually, it, what se- what happens is eventually you start to flash, without even trying to do it, you start to flash on the, the 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 mistaken identity that you don't know is you just you just assume it's true. I talk to people every day that think they are real. They actually think, and, and the way they validate it is because this is my feeling. I'm the one who's having this feeling. That feeling is uh, wrong. Jung, self-existing. It has no production, has no production. It's called dependent origination. Paratantra is the technical word for it, if you need it. But I I learned what the word paratantra after I, uh, after I understood what it was. Then I said, oh, there's a word for that, didn't you? Question from Joshi. How do we know
1: we are seeing a mind pattern?
0: Uh, if it looks solid, uh, then just keep looking at the solidity of it. Look at the if, it, if you don't see that it's a pattern, then look at the solidity of it without pushing it away to try to find the pattern, without bringing it towards you with some kind of a, um, analysis or or uh, interrogation and and don't turn away from it or shut down to distract yourself from it. Just look at the, If you look at what arises and do nothing with it, it can't last because just the nature of impermanence. Anything that shows up as something is going away or is going to dis- disintegrate or go away or morph into something else because it's the nature of the situation we find ourselves in. <clears throat> so I would say just observe. Just observe it and see that May not be
3: comfortable, but you can do it. Mark Bowie. Yes, Mark. Uh, could you talk, say something about fear? Um, yes. Is that is that a way to avoid? Yes. And, the, uh, do you have a special thing that you like to do, or you you recommend about say, it when it's pointless? If
0: it's scary, I'd run away. <laughs> And, and I'm not exactly kidding. I'm just saying, if it's really scary, stop sitting. If that's where, where it's arising, or if there's something that's really frightening you, uh, you can treat it as it. You can treat it in a relative way. You don't have to be this special person who's not bothered by anything, or develop some kind of a of a sur- super uh, shield or something, or this shield of meditation. Or uh, you have nothing to prove. You know, I, I'm uh, I'm afraid, it comes and goes all the time. I sometimes say to people, that, you know, the, the young kid that was born many, many years ago here that used to show up uh, before this form, that person has not gone anywhere. You don't have to get rid of anything. You don't have to be any special person. You don't have to get rid of your fear, your neurosis, your fretting. You're just see see what it is. Watch it move. Watch what it does. See what it is. Because if you try to get rid of it, then then you give it some kind of a, you give it some kind of status as something that you've gotten rid of. What what does that do? That changes the status of the of the one who has gotten rid of something. And uh, that's not going to work when death comes without warning. That's not going to help you face. Uh, that kind of un- uncontrollable situation might want to work with it as it, as it is as it shows up. <clears throat> uh, just to comment a little bit more on fear. I would just say that the, the downside of fear is it's scary, but the upside of fear is is that helps you see your self-centeredness and it helps you see that that what is unreal, your false identity, is frightened. Sometimes that, that fear is, uh, or that uh, paranoia uh, is, is actually the way intelligence works.
3: Further questions? Uh, Mark Bowling. Uh, it's, not, it's not particularly in meditation. It just seems like uh, uh, so many things, negative things, are happening at once, and they all seem like a distraction. You know, to me, uh, they don't, it's hard to yeah, I, think about.
0: <laughs> Mark, I hear, I hear you. Is there, is there a question particularly uh, or did I
3: miss it? Question. No, I, I, I just, uh, I mean, I see fairly bad things happening in my life in the last few days. And uh, they each, they all seem like uh, they're bad, maybe. They may not even be bad, but uh, they seem to be distractions from something, uh, and it's you know I, I just can't put my finger on it, but I I hear you, and I and I think sitting is has been a help to me actually. Well, there's it's a we're
0: in a relative situation, and it's uh, it's from the point of view of our physical existence, it is dangerous, it's it's impermanent, it's and it, and it is. Uh, threatened. It just comes and goes. Sometimes it's very, very threatened. And somehow we seem to come through and then, then that backs off. And then there's another war or there's another insane person trying to get control and money and screwing everything up for everybody. And then it just, it's just back and forth. But it's, it's uh, as the Buddha said, 2,500 years ago, it's samsara. It's, it's passion, aggression, ignorance. Constant warfare, but the thing is, we have this big ball of dirt, and it's only—it's only so much you can do. You can have little skirmishes here in uh, Mesopotamia uh, or on the other side of the world, but this, as uh, Marshall McLuhan pointed out in the uh, back in the nineteen fifties and sixties, it's a, it's a global village. I mean, it's like—and it is a village now. Look up, look up. We're people from all over the place are are all communicating on uh, with this technology, so it's. Imagine what Mr. McClellan would have thought of this back in 1950. Actually, he saw it coming. See this coming. If you want to read, uh, his uh, Understanding Media is a very good book. By Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Anna Maria Bowing. Yes. You mentioned earlier that uh, patterns, the relation between patterns and the sense fields could be overlapping. Um, what What is the sense when one experiences a sense of familiarity? Um,
0: you mean when you think you've seen that before?
2: Or, or felt something before, there's a sense. And it, there's no trigger, there's no source, it's just a sense of this is familiar. Um, The the trouble, what happens is the adding on to that of like, you know, all the usual suspects and the, here we go again, the already predicting that what else, how else can one work with that?
0: I I think you're probably doing it. I'm not saying it's comfortable, but I think you're probably doing it as far as I can see, which little ways is the most important thing for any of us to do is to train our minds to see as clearly as possible. And to not be taken in by uh, thought patterns that are that come out of hope and fear—hope for something better and fear of something worse—the very simple. Uh, those are those are in, in ancient Tibet. Those are called the, the bandits. Those are the those are the, the bandits of uh, hope and fear. Are the ones that steal your wisdom, because they they, they 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 take it away. Just a metaphorical way of talking about it. I would just say, in, in, in terms of what you're saying, often people have this, this, something similar. They might not describe it exactly the same way, uh, but it, I think it's a matter of just the the levels of not only these little particles that I was have been uh, talking about, but the, the depth, consciousness, we've got this uh, realm that we're awake in here where, that we all share as uh, uh, physical uh, beings. But then there's that, the dream area, which doesn't have past and future in the same sense that we, but it has a reality that when you're in it, it is real. Have a nightmare. And you know, even even if uh, the nightmare is very convincing, just like a dream of, uh, of uh, being in the Garden of Eden or some, you know, some wonderful thing that's happening to you. And also even, even... Um, even the dream that is a, sometimes called a lucid dream, where you are dreaming, but you have the, a conscious, some aspect of consciousness uh, uh, tends to wake up uh, in such a way that you realize that you actually are in uh, that kind of a realm. Some people have those regularly. Some people some people may have never had that. But it's an interesting uh, dynamic that can happen in consciousness. The same with the astral projection. Uh, the same with uh, um, the, the experience of, uh, of Disembodied spirits and all—I mean, it just. This is just a little bit of it. Um, It goes on and on and on. It it doesn't have an end to it, and but it may have descriptions, and it may be different for each person. So, start where you're at. Start right here in the room that you're in. Sit down, and do as much as you can to train your mind, so that when the body mind collapses, which is your only hold on this realm, and it won't last. It's impermanent. is everything. So train your mind to see as clearly as possible. So so when the six, when the, uh, the, the, uh, the elements go back into their, into the ground, into the air, into the fire, into, uh, uh, into, uh, what's that other thing you go into? Air, Um, fire.
2: Ah.
0: Of this. So Anna Maria bowing. Yes, please. In,
2: in that in that moment when you're sitting and you're, what is it that scrutinizes or discerns and says, I'm "Not taking the bait"? What is it? What is operating?
0: So it could be your wisdom mind, could be clarity. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. Uh, there, there's The more we look at this, the more we look at who we are and what we are and what this is about for us as human beings, and with the idea of uh, the possibility of having a fundamental understanding or enlightenment, if you want to call it that, realization of your true nature, of the true nature of the world, um, there, there are going to be flashes of that uh, situation show, show up. I would call that prajna. Uh, Nya, or as wisdom, uh, the Sanskrit is for wisdom and pra. Is a is the uh, I don't know. She show us what is I did not know, you know. Sure. I don't know. I
3: got
0: to look it up. Yeah, I thought you had a, every Sanskrit word memorized. No, so it's a, it is like prajna paramita is the wisdom that it's a non-dual nya, nya or wisdom. This is the wisdom that actually sees through duality my way of saying it. I, I don't know what the definition definition is out of the Sanskrit, but it sees through that. And then paramita is It's actually crossed over. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a form of a wisdom mind that is still operating in uh, in a relative situation. So it's still saying, I'm not buying that, uh, but still, it still needs to do that. There needs to be some of that happening for us. Just like when you're sitting and you're watching your mind stream go and you, and it's a, uh, some kind of corny ideas about who you are and what you're doing and what people think of you and, and what you think of what people think about what you they, what you, they think of you. And it, you, you ha- it might have some progenitor come up and say, uh, like you were saying, I'm, I'm not buying that. It. So it might look like that. You might just uh, beginning to see through uh, the veil of, uh, of uh, 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 primitive beliefs about the nature of reality, that we are separate beings. Was one of them there's somehow some kind of se- discrete separate uh, operation situation where some people get to be rich and some people uh, you know should get a job uh, the people were very very well off it's dependently risen we don't know how they got there uh, particularly we can't, can't trace it down lifetime after lifetime but it's a it's a misunderstanding a profound one to, to think that we're somehow special wonderful beings and other people are below us.
1: Another question from Shoshi. Can identifying mind patterns help in realizing the nature of ultimate reality?
0: Yes. Good question. Yes, it can. Might have to do a lot of it.
1: Question from Tanya. Tanya. What can I do to interact with my brother when he seems to be moved by greed?
0: Um, So interact with him on a level where the communication is strong and not where the communication is weak. So first exercise that area where you have a uh, talk about the family, talk about those areas and work on that area. And don't meddle with what you're with him in terms of what you're saying or he is greedy. That's that's really that's none of your business. It might look like your business because he's your brother, it might look like your business because you see that he's greedy and you don't think you are. But look at what you're grasping at. You're not separate from him, nor are you the same. I don't know why I'm looking at you when you ask me the question, but where is Tanya? Is she she in, inside the computer? So, Tanya, meet your brother where he's at, whatever he's talking about, whatever he's interested in. Even if it's money, uh, you could you could slowly, if it's greed, uh, you could talk to him uh, in, the, in an area that is not actually being critical of what he's doing, but is uh, being curious about what he's doing. You'd be curious about that. But I wouldn't do it... Uh, in a way where you're trying to get this, <coughs> excuse me. You're trying to control him, get him to see how greedy he is. This is this is his business. He may his karma may be such that he just needs to do this. I sometimes say, and I'll say it now, and this this might bring up a lot more questions, but uh, it's I mean it. You may have to kill somebody. This is why the the first, grave precept says, uh, do not kill. But it doesn't say. Uh, do not kill. It says, do not kill. That means you you may, why would it say that if we knew that you didn't have to kill? You may have to kill something. You're going to kill something. If you're going to continue to live, there's no way you can live without killing something. It's our mind that judges and says, some things are okay to kill just because they're plants or some things are okay to kill just because they're animals. But you can't kill other things. I mean, it's just a, it's a very interesting area to bring your awareness to rather than just operate on this socialization that we're all uh, hammered with all the time. Those as my teacher uh, Kobachino Roshi said you observe the precepts. You don't take them. You don't just obey them. You observe them. Much more challenging than just uh, some kind of commandments where you can be treated like a child.
3: Dishabai. Chisho. So I just looked it up, uh, Sobhizan. So pra in front of a verb means going forward. Pra in front of an adjective means excessive. And pra in front of a noun has multiple meanings. Some of them are complete, excellent, Um, I like to complete. uh, Yeah, complete, excellent. Uh, Those are the meanings if it is in front of, uh, you know, uh, yeah, complete, excellent, prominent. uh, Could have some others too, but those seem to be most applicable to prajna. Uh, Sounds good. Thank you. Further question?
1: From Shoshi. His last question was, can identifying mind patterns help in realizing the nature of ultimate reality? He said yes. His next question is, how does
0: it help? You can see that there, there is no solid thing yet. You actually realize dependent origination, pratikya samadbada. You actually realize it. Not as a concept about this, but you, you see it. You see, everywhere you look, you don't see anything else. The elseness is gone. And how do you see that? By noticing the relativity that keeps coming in your face as an illusion over and over and over, over and over and over. And then what? Over and over and over. Watch what moves. Sit down, hold still, watch what moves. Do that, Shoshi. Do it the rest of your life. Find, make time to do that. Find out who you are so there's no doubt. If you have a doubt, if you ever have your emotions go up and down and you think there's somebody that's having the emotion, it's going to be a problem. When you see there isn't anyone, you're not going to care whether emotions go up or down. You're not going to care if you feel great. You're not going to care if you feel like crap. You are no longer manipulated by anything because there is, there isn't anyone. There's is no separate beings anywhere. If you think there are, you will suffer and you'll torture those around you without even knowing it. Get a sense of humor. Where does that come from? The space between the apparent objects. Humor is just space. That's why a really good uh sit-down comic uh will wait till you're really well situated on your carpet and then snatch it off from under you. And that's called the space as you're uh, falling. That's the humor. Okay, Unyo has decided this is coming to an end. <laughs> well, shall we do what we do? May the merit of this penetrate into all places, so
2: that we, in every <coughs> be sentient being together, can realize that the Buddha's way. ye, san chi, chi, The ten directions of the three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prasmya Paramita. Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the
0: Ten Directions, the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect but Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light.